0: Hello and welcome to WeedSpawn, where we talk about anything and everything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby, and with me is Joshua. Hello, Bobby.
1: I'm really excited about this episode as well. It's a pretty strong second
0: episode for the second season. Not to mention, this game has been a huge part of my childhood, and it is currently will currently be celebrating its 15th, no, 20th 20th anniversary since its release. And that game is none other than RuneScape.
1: Oh, yeah, this game probably has taken up the most amount of our childhood than any other game has. Maybe second to, or the second game being Twisted Metal. Oh, 100%. RuneScape is an MMORPG developed by Jagex, which was first created on January 4th of 2001, which happens to be this, the day this episode is released. Uh, RuneScape has gone through many changes throughout the years. Uh, the most up-to-date version of RuneScape is also known as RuneScape 3, but due to the huge popularity, Jagex brought back old-school RuneScape. People just liked that one a lot more i think i don't know how popular runescape 3 is today but currently runescape 3 and old school runescape are running in parallel Uh, both have been drawing in people just constantly and i mean they're still running i don't know if they're running as strong as they were in their prime but they're still pretty popular but today we're going to be focusing on old school runescape Um, that's the one we played the most and Personally, I was never very fond of RuneScape 3 because I felt like they got too far from their roots and they were just very different than what we were used to.
0: I personally think RuneScape 3 was almost trying to become like WoW. Absolutely, yes. The whole reason I was playing RuneScape was because it wasn't WoW.
1: I completely agree. It was just completely different. WoW had its own aspects to it that were cool. But that's not what I wanted in Runescape, and when they went to Runescape three, I just it kicked me off of it. Honestly, it I wasn't feeling it, and I just I wanted old school back. And then finally, they released it, and uh, the rest was history.
0: Yeah, I think we will mention it a little later in the podcast as well. But as of like Runescape, one of the things, like I said it draw me different than wow was wow has built up their whole story since the beginning so they actually have a storyline and it continues on where runescape didn't really have a storyline you were just kind of there you got to do whatever you wanted and then when runescape 3 came out then they kind of implemented a storyline now and other like aspects which some people i'm sure loved but for me the whole what brought me to runescape was more of a i could just come in and play even if i stopped playing for months and they updated it i could still come in and know exactly where i left off
1: Mm -hmm. yeah there was no like true backstory to the game honestly
0: so for me i personally i got into runescape like middle school junior high whatever you want to call it, based on where you're at. And it was really my first MMO I ever played. And my parents, when I was younger, really didn't like me playing online games or like online with other people. So one thing with RuneScape, it was a little different because there were certain settings that you can do that would essentially allow you to play online with people but without interacting with them. So you can have a setting to where you can't see their chat. You can't trade with people. They can't trade with you. So essentially you were playing an online game and you saw everyone there, but you were playing solo. And so that allowed me to like, a lot of my parents were like, Oh, okay. Because like back then parents, the internet was just coming out, so like parents were kind of like, Yeah, I don't know if I want my 10 year old on the internet talking to who knows on the other side. But that was so RuneScape was like my first introduction to like the online gaming back then, in like actually, like what, what was middle school like 2007, 2006 range between that and 09. We, I played a whole lot, and one cool thing I did like about it was that you didn't have to pay for it, because a lot of it, because this is, like I said, when WoW was kind of popular too, but you had to have a paid subscription, where RuneScape had a free area, free, like, way to play, and it wasn't just, like, a seven-day trial. Like, you actually had access to, not the full game, because obviously, members... We'll get into that a little more, but like you still had more to do. You could still level up your character and like actually still play the game and have a ton of enjoyment before that. And one of my earliest things I did was when I made my first account, I eventually, I think I made three accounts. And the reason why I did that was. I kept dying, and for some reason, I thought... I don't know what in my head I thought. I was like, I don't want a death in my character. And so I was like, I had to just create a new person because I'm like, I lost all my items and all this stuff. Granted, I was literally only like level 6 or 7. I wasn't that high. Like, I just got a tutorial. So I don't know what items I had on me that I thought was valuable. But yeah, there was one time I died... At Wizard's Tower, doing that beginner level quest where you have to like defeat the imps to get the four different colored beads. And then the second time was to, it was either a thug or a thief. I don't know what they were considered in Lumbridge. It was uh, like level five or six or something. I was like level four at the time and I was like, I can win. And I died and I was like, all right, time to start a new character and that ended up being my last guy and he's still my like main account that I use to this day but yeah it took me three accounts to finally get one and I did die in that one I just got sick and tired of doing the tutorial because it always kept taking me like 30 minutes and I was like you know what I'm going to stay with this guy I'm going to keep him and I kept him and yeah I, I still to this day I'm not really sure why I created so many accounts but It's a little history of how I started RuneScape.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I first started playing, uh, it was in middle school, I believe. It was because of you, because apparently you were a nerd and had no friends, and you just wanted to play RuneScape with someone. So naturally, you forced me into (laughs) playing it, and you got me hooked. You loved it, and you know it. (laughs) Yeah, I still remember to this day, like how it happened i think we were at your grandma's house or something yeah we went to the computer room and you're like i gotta show you this game because there was nothing else to do and you're like we're gonna make you a character so we <laughs> made me a character and we're going through the customization screen and then we went through tutorial island and just as we were playing you were teaching me the ropes and i'm just like wow this game is like really cool <sighs> so I spent countless hours of my prime playing RuneScape. And like you said, it was it was just this game that was... It was really a game that um, could be played both single-player and multiplayer. You just... Whether you wanted to level up or quest or just play some single-player mini-games, RuneScape had it for you. But you could also do quests with friends to keep you company. Like, you just... Most quests weren't... Co op quest. You would do your own individual quest, but you could do it together, just following each other throughout the lands and talking to people. So you could just keep each other company. And along with leveling up, it can be a grind and it could be very boring, but if you had people with you, it would make the hours fly by. And that was one of the big things that appealed to me. We could just sit there for hours playing this game. And it felt like minutes because I guess probably because we were young and we just really enjoyed it, but the time just flew. But you could engage in multiplayer minigames and you could just basically find anything that accommodated you in this game, which can be said about most MMORPGs that are successful. They're always going to find a way to accommodate a single player or multiplayer. And as far as I'm aware, there was only like one or two quests that actually utilized multiplayer. So in, in a weird way... One of the biggest aspects of the game that's questing was single player, even though this was an MMORPG. And one of those quests was the Shield of Arov, which I never quite understood, but I completed it in a very strange way that I'll talk about a little later. But with all the things to do in this game, there was a good portion of my middle school and high school that I just dedicated to. And I... Even though I spent so much time in this game, I don't think I even scratched the surface on everything that I could do in this game. And I only had one character, unlike Bobby, because I'm not a sociopath, and every time I died, I didn't create a new character, because that's just dumb. In my Unless defense... you're one of those people who did do that, then you're not dumb. It's just Bobby's dumb.
0: In my defense, I helped give you a username that you end up using for 10-plus years as well. So
1: Listen, I'm not saying that's dumb I'm just saying your methods of character creation is dumb
0: and to be fair I actually had more accounts because there was a time I believe my cousin who got me into RuneScape we wanted to make a pure mage account so we. I do have a pure mage account I have no <laughs> idea what the username or anything it was but I did create one I do remember that i'm just
1: a one character man i make one character and i stay committed like an honorable man and you have this guy over here who's just a scrub or something and has to make multiple counts because that's just the type of guy he is
0: pretty much
1: <laughs> Cause i stick to one guy and i level him up completely and leveling up is actually a a big portion of this game and I know in one of our episodes we talked about how, like, our personal preferences and what got us into gaming and what we like about gaming. And I talked about how I'm not a big multiplayer person and I hate games that are grindy. And this (laughs) is a game that's grindy and I have no idea how I managed to play this.
0: This game is nothing but grinding. (laughs) Like, looking back on it, it's literally nothing but grinding because there was no story. So you literally played just to level up. I don't know how I did it. Because we were young and stupid and we didn't understand the concept. Very true. <laughs> we're just like, oh my god, we got to the next level. Oh, I bet you we can get the next level real easily. Boy, were we wrong. Yeah, I
1: didn't realize that the leveling system was exponential. And I'm sure you can go a little more into depth about what I mean by that.
0: But holy shit, it was dumb. So with the leveling system, they made it, as you kind of said, like the exponential. The first few levels are pretty easy to level up. Heck, even when you're in Tutorial Island, every skill you like they teach you there, you can get to pretty much like level 5 before you leave. I think there's a cap at mm-hmm. level 5. I think so. Because I remember I tried staying fishing there for a while and then i'm pretty sure i stopped at five or maybe it was like the smithing and and mining too that like you can only do so much and they're like all right get the heck out here like why are you spending so much time on tutorial island get out
1: yeah like listen obviously you're not a, a noob anymore get the fuck out
0: yeah exactly but it was always nice because you would see like this firework type animation you'll say oh you leveled up and it was always nice too when you leveled up and then you unlocked like different recipes or something depending on what skill you were like raising like for me cooking was like my number one i don't know how it started with cooking but cooking was always my highest and it was always nice because like when you level up you would look and be like oh now i can make this Ooh, now i can make this so it was always that little gotcha thing that always drew you to always want to level up again because you're like, oh, I can do this now. Oh, this is opens now. And all of a sudden, just by gaining like one level, so many things open up for you. So I think that's part of the hidden successes because it was grindy, but they rewarded you for it. And you were like, oh my God, this is so fun until you start hitting like levels I think I want to say for me, it was like once you hit level 60 in a skill, that's when all of a sudden it just slows down and it's a pain to start leveling up. So you got to do like quests and stuff like that to give you XP because there's certain like quests that will be like, oh, do this and you'll get 3000 XP and attack strength and defense. So you're like, oh, okay, cool. Now I can do quests to help me level up. So I can do more quests to help me level up even more. So it was kind of like a cycle. But mm-hmm. but they did it good to where like once you got to those higher levels that you needed the like you needed something to help push you. That's when they're like, oh, by the way, we have two hundred plus quests you can do. And so you're like, oh, and look at the reward. Oh my god! You're stuck on fletching? We'll do this quest, and we'll give you a 40k experience in fletching. You're like, holy shit! You do it, and you're like, wow! I only gained two levels. <laughs> but hey, that just saved me two hours of making arrows to waste those two hours. So
1: it's like, oh man, that quest took six hours.
0: <laughs> but in in defense of the <laughs> quest, at least you're kind of like constantly doing. It's kind of like what I think it's of it. Yeah, what I think of it is kind of like traffic. So you can go two ways. You can either stay in traffic and move like a an, an mile an hour and reach your destination in 30 minutes. Or you can take the back roads and constantly drive for 30 minutes. Which would you rather do? I personally rather do the back roads and drive without traffic, even though it would be like slightly longer, but it's the same amount of time. So it's like, that's how I feel it. It's like raising your levels through Questing or actually doing it. Which do you prefer?
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean like it's it's completely different to sit there and fletch for two hours But then when you're doing a quest it lets you engage with other NPCs and stuff like that and a lot of times you might spend six hours doing a quest or however long it takes you and you get two levels worth of fletching, but then they also give you more XP In other aspects like you might get some in fletching but you're also gonna get a boost in archery as well so they they definitely make it worthwhile to do some quests because you are able to get more experience in multiple different skills so I found the leveling up system kind of insane as you were mentioning um, there's definitely a noticeable slowdown the exponential gain of it is ridiculous and it probably shouldn't be as difficult as it is, especially when you get to the last 10 levels or so, but it, it might be broken, but I guess others would say it's not that broken when you have a lot of characters that are maxed out in every stat. I'm definitely not one of those guys. My max level was in mining, which I got to level 72, which isn't that impressive compared to some of the other people out
0: there and even some ah. of our friends. For casual people kind of like I know we played it a lot but we played very casually. Mm-hmm. I think that's a freaking high level
1: for casuals. Once I got to adamant or adamantites or whatever they call it I was just
0: like damn I am done with this shit. <laughs> and one thing while I was doing this looking up some stuff there I would assume there's probably only out of it does have like millions of a player base. Don't get me wrong, but I think out of those, only like a couple thousand have like maxed out stats and everything. Because I was there's was one thing I was looking up the stats for, and I forget what it was. But it would always tell me like, oh, this is to get on like the high score page, you need at least level 15. And then it's like, how many players have reached level 99? And like for every skill, like the lowest was like 3,000 something. So I'm assuming there's going to be multiple people like that overlap in those 99. So out of the millions of player bases, only a couple thousand people probably have max stats, which honestly is actually pretty insane.
1: Yeah, one thing that's really cool about this game is you can look up individual characters and see their personal scores. So like for my mining level, that's at 72. My rank overall is only, only, is in fourth hundred and twenty one thousand and thirty six so i am about in the half million mark on my rank which is kind of sad (laughs) yeah it's for me with leveling up the journey from one to 30 is extremely easy like you're flying through it you're feeling good about yourself you're exploring you're leveling up your mining you're cooking basically anything you're going through And you're like, wow, this is so easy. I'm going to get level 99 so quick. But after 30, it kind of starts to drag out. And you realize how slow the grind is going to be from there on out. And it really starts to eat at you. I don't know how I enjoyed this game when I was younger. But now I despise grinding games. And maybe it was RuneScape that did it to me. Maybe I realized I'm pathetic when it comes to maxing out and shit. But yeah, this game really drove it in hard yeah this game there wasn't really a story like we've been saying it was more along the lines of you're an adventurer that you kind of just roam the lands of runescape and you talk to people and you just kind of take on quests and help each other out claiming rewards and tasks as you go i view of it more as you're not the focal point of this story you're merely a bystander that happens to be living his own life in the world of runescape and I don't think I would ever be able to get into a game like this if I tried again. But I'm glad I did when I was younger because it brought a lot of entertainment value and memories to my childhood. So, despite this game being completely unique from a lot of them, I'm glad that uh, this game was part of my life. And I don't know about you, but we spent a lot of hours on it. I think it, I'm not going to say, speak for you, but I think it probably was impactful in yours as well.
0: Oh 100% and one quick thing since we're talking about leveling up I can't see all of our things because I quickly put our names in just to compare because apparently we're not ranked in a lot of stuff we're pretty pathetic (laughs) I thought my cooking was way higher than this
1: well I'm pretty sure at one point when I looked us up we could see more but I bet as more people played they booted us down in the ranks
0: yeah, so I have a higher cooking than you at level 47. I don't know what your cooking is because you're not ranked. I have a higher fletching than you at level 20, mm-hmm. which is crazy that level 20. A lot of people must not like fletching.
1: But if you one thing about this is our skills for Old School is completely different than our skills in RuneScape 3 because they oh, really? had, they made us create a completely new character when they went back over to runescape 3 i RuneScape think that's
0: why I, I didn't play it either because i was yeah. like uh, what like everything. my yeah like wh- yeah hell no your smithing was 69 yeah nice. that's what's up nice your mining was 72 how which,
1: okay hold on <sighs> sorry I'm, I'm jumping ahead but how was my farming ranked
0: <laughs> I was just gonna get there, but okay. No, you're seventy two mining. mining. You're in the top five hundred thousand. That's actually really good because I'm pretty sure so so many people probably are stopped playing like old school. Like the hardcore people are probably in Runescape three. So if we play a little bit, we could probably get ourselves up there. (laughs) Uh, Especially our farming, which like you said, is level four. Mine has to be level three or something. A ranked level. Yo, our runecrafting is a rank level. Yours is 27, mine is 20. Not bad. Enough. Which is weird that, because a lot of people must like construction then, because I'm pretty sure my construction is like around 35. I think we we're similar, like construction. But yeah. that's not ranked. I figured our attack, defense, and strength would be somewhat ranked, because they're like level 60, I think. Um, or maybe high know. 50s.
1: I don't think mine were ever 60 in old school because I never got to that point. But if you just look up reg, like Runescape 3 character lookup, you can see what your levels were. So my old school Runescape mining level is actually higher than my Runescape 3, which my highest level was 64 in mining. Oh, so wow. I, I actually I wonder... passed it by 8 points. Whereas my attack, defense, and strength was... 59 59 58 respectively.
0: Let's see. So search player name. Yeah,
1: your your cooking was definitely a lot higher in RuneScape 3 because my cooking's 50 in RuneScape 3. So we spent a decent amount of time leveling up. It's just it sucked because on um, RuneScape, Old School RuneScape, you had to restart completely and we just couldn't get back into it like we used to.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. That would explain why I only have so much things Mm -hmm. leveled up. Because I was about to say, I do remember getting my range to 40 because I wanted to get in the archery guild for some reason. Yeah, because farming's 35 on here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, one of the next things I've kind of added a little spice of life to RuneScape, and I think was one of greatest things they added were the random events now one thing I personally love about this is because it was like a grindy game you could wait like hours trying to get like a specific random event or sometimes you could be in the middle of a quest and all of a sudden a random event just teleports you so there are times where you're just kind of like oh my god like really now now of all times. Or if you're in the Falador party room trying to get something and then, boom, teleported to a quest. And you're like, no! But they were still a whole lot of fun. And one of my favorites was the gravedigger one and the mine one. So the gravedigger one is you end up getting teleported to this gravestone. And the gravekeeper is like, yeah. Hey, uh, I messed up the tombstones, like, nameplates or whatever. I don't know who's whose. Help me find out. And so you'd look, and it would show you, like, a skull and then, like, a pickaxe or something. And you're like, oh, this is a miner. And then, like, it would show on another one, like, a watering can and something. Like, oh, this is a farmer. So you had to figure out that. And I liked it because you could get some clothing items, but one of my favorites was, like, the zombie dance which was, like, Thriller from Michael Jackson. And then there was, like, a zombie walk emote, too, that I thought was really cool to use. And then the other one with the mime I thought was a really fun one because the mime would actually use emotes. And you got to remember, if you don't know, there was, like, 20 emotes that you, like, just default emotes that you started with. So you had to watch his mime, and then you had to know exactly, like, what emote he did. And you're just like, ugh, ugh. And you had to do it, I think, like, three times in a row. And if you did that, you got a prize. And you would either get, like, mime clothing, again, like a mask, at top, leggings, all that stuff. Or you would get a couple of different emotes. And one of my favorite one was that, was the whole glass box thing. If you ever... Seen anyone imitate a mime, the first thing I guarantee you they'll do is the glass box. Everyone knows that. And it was just cool that you would get, like, these nice rewards. There were some that a demon would teleport you to train. There was Evil Bob the Cat, which I think was a lot of people's favorite one. There was a labyrinth maze-type thing where you got teleported, and then, like, a timer went down, and you had to immediately go... And the quicker you got to the center, the better your rewards were. But the thing is that they would use to deter you was that going other ways that would kind of lead to dead ends, you could find other treasure chests that could or could not have good loot on them. So it was like, oh, do you go try to go after all the treasure chests and then just be like, oh, whatever time left I have is whatever, or do you just zoom right to the middle? So they were all just really fun and You got like exclusive rewards just from them. So it was cool because not everyone would have it, but everyone technically had access to it. It was just all RNG and luck based on what you would get. I just think it was a really nice thing because if you were like spending a couple hours trying to grind or doing a long quest, sometimes those random events are just kind of nice that you're just like, oh wow, this is cool. I'm glad I'm like, I'm doing this. Like, it's almost like, you're getting rewarded for grinding and trying to level up.
1: Yeah. One thing that you mentioned, the labyrinth that I always wondered, I never ever figured out this answer, but if you were like, what is the quickest time that you could possibly get through this labyrinth? Because I know for sure you were never going to get the grand prize because the timer counts down immediately. So what was the quickest that you could ever get and how good was the reward Or was it just like a motive thing that you had to finish it within a certain amount of time and it just made it seem like your reward was better? And I also wondered what the best strategy would be. Would it be to go to each of the chests and get whatever was in them? Or would it be to just run straight for the end result? Never really figured that out, but I always wondered.
0: So unless the RNG just played a huge role, I do know though... The quicker you are, the, the better reward you do get. Because I remember one time I ignored all the chess and I went straight for the middle. I can't tell you what time it was. But I got like three uncut gems or something. And then the time where I did do like all the chess and I barely made it. Like I had like, I think like 30 seconds left or something. I just got, I think, like cooked lobster or raw lobster. Or something like that. That at least price value. Was a lot different. Than the uncut gems. So unless RNG did that. Because I I know. I think I tried it like twice. So unless RNG did do that. That I just happened. Every time I had a quicker time. Than that 30 second one. That I always got better stuff. So either RNG played a huge role. And I always end up getting that. Or I'm pretty sure it was. The time thing did have an influence on it. How much? I don't know, but I'm almost 100% positive that the time thing at least did give you better rewards.
1: I assume it would, or else they wouldn't kind of advertise it as such, but you never know. Uh, I guess I would have to look that up, but it didn't really come to my mind until now. But the random events... Were always a really good experience in this game. My two favorites that you mentioned, one of them was the uh, demon army like boot camp one, where you would have to do whatever the drill sergeant told you to do, whether it be push ups or sit ups or whatever, and you'd have to follow him specifically before you could leave. And if you did, you'd get like that camo gear. And I always really liked that one for some reason. Don't really know why. It wasn't really that cool. And then the other one I liked was also not very that was not very cool. And it was the one where you had to find a specific pheasant. So you got teleported into this area where there's a bunch of pheasants running around with a bunch of different colored or different amount of tail feathers. And the guy you were there with would tell you like, hey, I need a pheasant with three feathers. So you'd run around looking for that one and you give it to him. And after you found the correct amount of feathers and stuff like that, you would then get teleported out of there. And once you got teleported out, you would then get like... A later hosen outfit. Really lame, nothing special. And I don't know why I liked this one so much. Maybe it was because the pheasants were cute looking or something, or because I liked the outfit. Don't really know. Don't have a reason. It was just kind of lame, but it was fun. So I also kind of enjoyed the simple ones where I would be mining for hours, just chilling. And sometimes when you're mining, you can get a random gem that appears in your inventory, like an uncut sapphire or ruby or emerald. And that was always a really cool experience because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm mining something super simple like iron, and now I have an uncut ruby that I can sell for two grand. So I always really liked those ones because I was always poor in the game, and I wanted lots of money. So that was (laughs) like my get-rich-quick scheme was getting a bunch of rubies from random events. Uh, So those are fun. Or you'd have ones where, like, a guy would come and ask you a specific question. And after you answered correctly, you would get a a prize. And then you could get some money or sapphires or whatever from that. So those were always cool. Because, like I said, I really wanted money. And I was always poor in the game. Definitely better ways to get money. One that I always wanted but never got was the genie that would give you random xp lamps that you could just choose where you wanted your xp to go and looking back at it those were actually very bad to get because the xp never gave you that much i think the xp always gave you like double your base level so if you're level 50 in mining it would give you 100 xp in mining if you were level 10 it would give you 20 xp so it really benefited you when you were a lower level versus higher I didn't realize that at the time, so I'd always put it into my maxed level thing that I wanted to level up, not knowing that it wasn't as effective as if I was going <laughs> for something lower level.
0: I do remember those. Those were always nice to get, because that EXP lamp, I was like, ooh. And then I yeah. think once we we did find out a little late, so I'd be like, oh, farming's level three, do it in yeah. there.
1: Yep, yeah, it was... Uh... It was cool to have at first, and then you realize, like, you revealed what was behind the curtain, and it's like, oh, this is actually trash.
0: Yeah, once you started getting it, like, if you had unless you had a low level skill, when you saw the genie, you'd just been like, uh... Mm-hmm. Great, 400 XP. Yeah. It ain't gonna do shit. <laughs> yeah, the
1: real XP lamps you wanted were the ones that you got from certain quests, where they give you like 5,000 XP or
0: 10,000. Yeah. Those were the nice those ones. Were- those are nice. But random events weren't the only events they had. They also had holiday events. Just about like every multiplayer game now and probably back then. Like I said, I didn't really play a lot of multi like MMOs. So I don't know how big it was back then. But they always have events that go on during certain seasons or holiday events throughout the year. And during this, you could get exclusive gear, loot, emotes, etc. And sometimes they would have really elaborate elaborate ones, and then sometimes they were really simple. And I'm just glad they always added this because it was always exciting to see what they were gonna do. So like, when you knew Christmas was coming around, you, you'd always get excited. Oh, what are they gonna do this time? Oh, what, what exclusive stuff can I get? I'm a sucker for limited edition stuff. If you put limited edition on anything, I'm like instantly, I already want to buy it. Even if it's something I don't need or don't even have. Like you could put a limited edition on like a freaking bow and be like, oh, this is only going to be here for like three days. And it's like $20. I'd be like, I would seriously contemplate like, hmm, should I buy that? Even though I don't wear any bows, nothing... I'll but I'll instantly because it says limited edition, I'll be like,
2: hmm. This is it
0: ever gonna go on sale again? Really? Like, and well, it what kinda if I need like, a bow. Yeah, like what if maybe five years down the line I could get a bow? Or maybe in five years I paid twenty bucks for this, but it, and it's a hundred dollars. Hmm. In reality it's probably nothing. It's gonna be shit, but like you just put limited edition on it. and I Instantly, my mind's like, hmm, maybe I do need this.
1: <laughs> yeah. I always really enjoyed these random events. Because, like you said, it gave you something to look forward to. We would be like, okay, Christmas is coming up, or Thanksgiving, or Halloween. We have something to do for that whole week. We can focus on this random event. And they were always just so fun because of how unique they were. They created entire quests focused around the event. And it just added a little more depth to it. I don't know. It just kind of made it feel like the world was a little more dynamic than it was. Because you would have this random NPC you have never seen before just appear. And offer you this quest that you would spend hours on. And then you'd get this really cool, unique gift that you would never get ever again. And... I remember one of my favorites, it focused on, I think it was basically snowmen war. And you could use a snow globe to travel to their world. And in this world, you were able to build snowmen that you could assign a role, either an archer, a warrior, or a mage. And then you have other real-life players around you who also could build snowmen, and they could fight each other. And they would spend time fighting each other, and you would know... Basically, the winner was always predetermined based on who got the first hit and the weaknesses of each other. So the mage was strong against the warrior, the warrior was strong against the archer, and the archer was strong against the mage. So you basically already know how the fight was going to end. But it was always just fun to just have little battles and throw snowballs and stuff like that. I don't know. That was my favorite one, and that's the one that I found to be the most memorable to me.
0: I'm pretty sure we mostly just threw snowballs at each other yeah that was a big part of it (laughs) i do remember this like it's vaguely but i do remember this and we mostly just threw snowballs at each other because i believe how you said like how you said the weaknesses i'm pretty sure it was just like a rock paper scissors type deal like you just made one and then it was kind of a i guess who the other person would be and if it was the same it was whoever got the hit because they still did kind of fight where sometimes it would be like, oh, you hit for zero. Oh, this person hit for two. Oh, you hit for one. So it was still a little bit RNG, but it was pretty much if you had a warrior against an archer, the warrior was almost always going to mm-hmm. win. But yeah. it was... I think it was
1: basically based on the stats in game because those were the weaknesses of each other within the actual game.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, there was a Halloween event. Or it was a Thanksgiving event where there was like these wild turkeys, but they were like a uh, level like 250 and they would kill you in one hit if you went up to them and like attacked them.
2: I, do not I don't know if you remember
0: that now. one. No. Oh, you don't? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like, I'm pretty sure it was a holiday event. I, I can't remember it being anything else, but... I know there was like a lot of people were trying to use like mage and range to like fight it because literally if you went up to it, it would just hit you once and you would die. It was more of a like a satire type thing, but I thought it was funny.
1: That is funny. I did not know that. I must have missed that one event.
0: There was one similar like that in Arc too, recently in the last Thanksgiving event. Yeah,
2: I, guess I found a turkey
0: that. or like a thing, and I was like, oh level 150 i thought it was like the dodo where it could be like level 200 and you could still kill it because it's not attacking you and i attacked it and the thing instantly killed me And i was like oh okay
2: yeah
1: when we were playing that i remember doing that that was not fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) no so other than just like random events and the leveling there's a whole little separate section called The Wilderness. Rest in peace, Old Wildy.
1: Old Wildy.
0: Gone, but never forgotten.
1: Butchered. Butchered, but never forgotten.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, what did they do? To... This is a perfect m- meme for what, di- what did you do to my boy? So for any of you guys who's never played RuneScape, The Wilderness is just a big PvP zone they have like this ditch line thing that you cross. And then it's like, hey, they give you a warning. Hey, you're about to enter the wilderness. You can and will lose all your items should you die. Unless you have like prayer, but that's a completely different thing. But anyways, you would basically lose all your items besides like three things that you get to keep. And I forget how they changed it, but they completely ruined it to where like, the pvp wasn't like working properly or something but anyways going off of that it was like you would go there are different levels in the wilderness so if you went to level one wilderness if you were combat they went based off your combat level so if i was combat level 73 like i am if i go into combat wilderness level one joshua would not be able to attack me because he is combat level 75. So the only people that can attack me are 72, 73, and 74. But if I go to combat or wilderness 2, now I can attack people 71 through 75. So every time you go up one level, that means you take that number of wilderness, add and subtract it to your combat level, and that's the range of players you can attack. But one thing is, like, deep inside the there was different areas throughout the wilderness that you could get some pretty good rewards. Obviously, high risk, high reward type deal because the farther you go, the farthest I think you can go is like 100 or something. So it was practically like, oh, you can be level 75 and run into a level 175 and you just be like... Which I
1: never fully understood because I think the max level was like 136 or 26.
0: I thought it was 215. I don't... Think so. Or was that like an NPC? Cause I, I know, was... I know, I saw at 215. I'm pretty sure the king dragon was like
1: 315.
0: Huh. I know it's over 100 is the combat level.
1: Yeah, I think it was like 126.
0: It could. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it is. I think it is. I'm. Must... I think I'm thinking of some kind of NPC that was like 215. Yeah. But Old yeah. Old school RuneScape, the
1: max level was 126.
0: Yeah. But going off before we get too sidetracked off of that (laughs) there's an area in the wilderness called bandit camp which I believe because of how big it was it's expanded between levels like 20 to 25 so yes we were kind of putting us in kind of a great risk because that means a level 7 or a level 100 person could come and attack us but we could also just run like a couple levels if they were towards the max level, we could always just run a couple levels and be safe. But, but I
1: believe if you were already being attacked, going down lower levels wouldn't work. No, but we could run away. Attacked. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: if they hadn't attacked us and just see us, we could have run away. But, but what made this place so special was that they're in this bandit camp. Obviously, there was literally the people were called bandits that were there there was a little house in there and it had a chef and on the table would constantly spawn one cheese one tomato and then through the uh the chef you can buy the what's it called the pizza base so you can buy the pizza base so then you can use pizza base the cheese the tomato and there was a stove, stubborn, a stove there so you can make pizzas. So essentially you can fight the bandits who a lot of times would drop coins among other things. But you could get coins from the defeated bandit. you received or defeated that was very redundant and you would take those coins, go to the chef, buy the pizza base, and theoretically, you could always have food indefinitely the entire time you're there, as long as you had a high enough cooking level. And what was even the cherry on top of that was there were giant rats at the entrance of this place. So if you kill the giant rats, you could get raw meat. So then you could cook the raw meat, which then now you can go from a plain pizza to a meat pizza, which was significantly more HP restored from that. So you would go down there, get your free meat, cook it, get your free cheese and tomatoes, and then fight some bandits, get the loot, buy the pizza base, and then just rinse and repeat. And it was just a nice place to go train because, like I said, as long as you did that, you had an infinite infinite supply of food that you didn't have to worry about replenishing so you could literally just stay there all the time and one of the cool things about it was it was one of the few spots in the wilderness that was called a double combat zone or a multiple combat zone so multiple people can attack multiple enemies so if joshua and i were both there then we can both attack the same person but that also means two or three bandits can attack us depending on our position so it was a risk he had to take, but it definitely paid off because it was a nice place, and I remember going in to train quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I absolutely like loved that we discovered that Bandit Camp because I think we came to it by chance. We were walking through, and we saw some... I think one of the main things that drew us there was the fact that when we looked on the mini-map, we saw items on the ground by yeah. the red dot, and we're like, oh, shit, let's go see what type of items we, that we are there are because we wanted to make a quick buck. And then we found out you can make pizzas, like you said, or meat pies, meat pies and pizza, I believe. So you wanted to train your cooking. I could train my attack and mage and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So we could sit there. And like you said, we could just rinse and repeat for hours because then we could use the same food to replenish our health. And it was and just a booty, good way I they dropped just... runes. What?
0: I said, I think because you said mentioned training... Mage, I think they drop runes too. That if we defeated enough, we could actually shoot like some like earth bolts or something.
1: Most likely, a lot of those, um, like human NPCs tend to drop like a little bit of runes and stuff like that. But yeah, we could just like go to town on this village and they just keep respawning in the perfect rate to where we could just endlessly train. And one of the other things that I loved about the wilderness on top of that was, before they butchered it, was you could just kind of camp out there and wait for people to drop loot after they died. You could pick up what everyone didn't want. So someone sniped off someone who's six levels lower than them, and they found some stuff they didn't really care for, so they just left it on the ground. Then you could run and steal it real quick and just get the hell out of there. That was always one of my favorite things because I... (laughs) loved making a profit even though i had shit money and my character was never really good at fighting because originally i didn't understand balancing attack strength and defense so i would lose all the time until i managed to balance those out but typically i would just pick up the loot and leave but of course some people would trap me all the time and then i would be stuck there and die and lose everything i just worked for so it was definitely a struggle
0: Yeah, it was annoying when you got those like try hard people that they had the ancient staff, they would go freeze you, then instantly change all their equipment to a dragon weapon that had special attack ready. And you're just like, All right, cool, great. You just got my adamant armor that you're already wearing, dragon, and I had like cooked lobster. Congratulations.
1: It's like, good job, you killed me in three hits. Do you feel good about yourself?
0: Some uh, of them probably did.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. One thing I also really enjoyed that you didn't mention <clears throat> was the Red Dragon Isle, which I don't know what level it was in, in the wilderness, like how deep you had to go, but it was significantly I deep, it was like, deep. I enough to say it was like, to, like 50s. Yeah, deep enough if it. we got caught by someone, we were going to be fucked. So, but most of the time, we were pretty good about um, surviving. We would always have runes on us that we could teleport back to Lumbridge or Falador if we needed to. But, but once we got there, we would sit on the opposite side of a lava river and use magic to attack the red dragons that were there. And as we did it, the dragons couldn't attack us most of the time. Some of them, I think, did have fire that they could use, but most of the time they couldn't attack us. So we we dragon shield... Yeah, and we would have the anti-dragon shield, so they couldn't one-hit us. And we would just train our mage there for a while, train our magic, kill the red dragon, run over, grab the loot, which was dragon bones and red dragon hide. Which, the dragon bones sold for a pretty good profit, and I don't think we ever really used or sold the red dragon hide, because we planned on using it to make you armor, like hide.
0: Yeah, hide Yeah, hide armor, I think.
1: Yeah, we were planning on using that. I don't know if we ever managed to, but we always planned on it, which was really cool. But that was always fun because we felt so accomplished that we were able to double team a dragon and win.
0: Now you gotta remember, for those of you who don't understand the significance of this, this dragon was level like 152. Yeah. We were like at the time we were like in our sixties. <laughs> Yeah, we,
1: we felt really accomplished by this. Although we were kind of cheating since the dragon couldn't attack us.
0: But it was still pretty cool. They don't need to do that. Yeah. Don't but, worry about that part. I think the funny thing is this mostly happened. The reason why we originally did this was just because we were raising our rune crafting. Yeah, And we are just like, oh, instead of just blindly making runes... What if we make certain runes so we can actually use them to attack something? And we're like, and then we found this place, and we're like, oh, okay, so we'd go kill a couple of dragons, wait until our runes are empty, go mine, rune craft, go kill, and then rinse and repeats.
2: <laughs>
0: <clears throat> Endless cycle. And so, like any MMO, there are still quests that you can do. Kind of how we touched on a little earlier. And RuneScape, you start out with helping a chef bake a cake all the way to, to you killing a dragon. Yes, that is true, and it's not even a joke. <laughs> the first quest you can do in Lumbridge when you first spawn, like one of the first things you see is you talk to... The baker and he goes, hey, I need you help. Can you get me some flour, milk, and eggs? And you go like north of Lumbridge and there's a mill. And I'm pretty sure it's just a tutorial to show you like the basics of cooking. Because I think it's level like 40 to actually make a cake. And level 50 to make a chocolate cake. And all you do is take a real cake in a chocolate bar and just click it. Like you don't even cook it. You literally just click it. And then you make it. I'm just like, I had to wait 10 levels for this shit. That pissed me <laughs> off so much. Anyways. So I had to vent there a little bit about how they made chocolate cake. So you do that. And then I'm pretty sure they upped the questing since then. But this is back during the old days. You needed like 32 quest points in order to do the Dragon Slayer quest. And pretty much the only reason you would do the Dragon Slayer quest besides like wanting to complete all the quests was that you could wear Rune Plate Body. So there was Chainmail and Plate Body. Plate Body was a lot better for defense and everything. And even if you were level, I think it was like 41 to wear rune armor, you could not wear a rune plate body mm-hmm. unless you beat Dragon Slayer. So it was funny when you would see like these high level people like level 60, 70, and they're wearing rune chainmail with a dragon sword or like dragon equipment, because they never went and beat the Dragon Slayer quest. So I think that was kind of fun. And I remember my my the way i defeated the dragon was someone got there before me died and i got there and the dragon literally was like three hits of dying and the guy came back and saw me fighting he goes and he's like typing no don't and i killed him and i completed the quest and he's like why would you do that i'm like how was I supposed to know like there was nobody there the dragon was there I jumped over the pit and next thing no, know it was low health like sorry not sorry that was how I completed my dragon slayer quest but it was also cool that they had a range of difficulty on quests and I thought it was always nice to try to solve it myself first to see if I could do it because sometimes it would be riddles and stuff. But there's one known as Romeo and Juliet that was so darn confusing because at some point someone gets kidnapped and then you had to get a wig. You had to find some kind of berry, bring it to a witch in order to get a dye. Then you used the dye to get the wig and then you had to get a skirt and then you had to cut the skirt. And then it was like, holy shit, how are you supposed to find this out on your own? Yeah, I just use a wiki. And that's how I did it for some of them. And then kind of how you mentioned with the Shield of Avriar, or Avar, however you pronounce it, you actually needed another person to complete it because it was like two gangs were there. And so you had to have a person on one gang and a person on the other gang. And you'd go get whatever it was, and then you traded pe- traded the person, and that's how you completed it. So it was cool because they had a, a different multitude of quests you could
1: Yeah, so I had a very similar story with the dragon slayer quest. Mine was, I didn't have a stranger almost kill him for me, but I had a friend that was a much higher level than I was, and I told him I had no way of completing the dragon slayer quest. So like, all right, whatever, like, I'll I'll do it for you, basically. So he came with me to the island. And as we were there, he jumped over. He got the dragon down to almost dead. Jumped back over and he said, all right, now it's your turn. So then I jumped in and finished him off with, like, the last three hits. And the rest was history. It was super easy. And I'm like, wow, this was so convenient. Like, I didn't have to do anything <laughs> about it. When when they switched back over to runes, old-school RuneScape from RuneScape 3 and I had to redo it all over again, that was a different story. And I couldn't do it on my own. So I'm one of those semi-decent leveled people with rune armor and adamant chestplate although i don't really play much anymore but that's that's what my character looks like at the moment but it's funny that you bring up shield of arov which i did mention it a little bit earlier but the fact that you mentioned it here for the questing part yeah i had a very interesting story of how i completed this mission this quest it requires you to cooperate with another player. You have to trade your half of the shield in order to make a full shield and complete it. I did not have that luxury because I didn't have a lot of people who were on this quest, um, a lot of friends who were on this quest that needed to trade shield parts. So I was kind of screwed. And one day I was just going through Varok and going through the general store. And I saw the shield pop up. This was before the general exchange and the shield popped up in the general store. And I'm like, Oh shit. So I looked at how much it was. It was only one gold piece. I don't know if this was because of just an oversight in the code or just setting up the quest and they didn't set a good price or if they didn't even want it to be sold in the first place, but I bought it as quickly as possible and I was able to complete the quest because of this I believe shortly after, too, they prevented shields from being sold to the general store. You can only, like, trade them with other players. But I got lucky and was able to complete this quest because of possibly a code oversight. And I felt super... Yeah, I'm pretty
0: sure that that wasn't supposed to happen. No, probably not.
1: (laughs) But I had no way of completing this quest, and I'm so thankful because I would have been really pissed if all my non-members quests were green except for that one quest.
0: Yeah, I wish that at least if you completed it that you could go back to that gang hideout that you chose so if you did have someone that needed help because theoretically depending on like how many players there are there could end up being a way like one person will never be able to complete it because Mm -hmm. if they chose the same gang then it's like oh crap what are we supposed to do now like
1: Right. But yeah, you got lucky. Yeah, really lucky.
0: So going back off of what I also mentioned a little earlier about how they have a free-to-play or otherwise known as like a non-member area and a members area. So a lot of MMOs that you don't have to play or pay for typically don't have a lot to offer. And like a lot of the ones that are like really high and successful MMOs you have to pay, like wow. have to pay a subscription or they'll give you like a seven day trial and then it's like after those seven days you're locked out of your account whatever well runescape did it a little differently and it was like oh you have access to the game and you can constantly play and here's an area you can play just these things are off limits like there were certain skills that only members could do certain items only members could craft and you had access to only like 20 quests which wasn't bad And the area you can use, while small compared to the entirety of the map, was not small by any means. Like, it it would keep you busy. And it had a lot of, even these non-member areas, even once you became a member, you would come back to it. Like, Varrock is basically the, like, marketplace of all of RuneScape. Like, if you want to sell stuff, they also later on made the Grand Exchange, which is just, like, real-life market but even before that if you wanted to sell stuff you would go to varrock because non-members and members would flood this place and not to mention that's where the wilderness was as well so it was a very popular place so even if you weren't a member you would go there another place was known as falador and what specifically members would go there for would be like the party room which some high-level player would put, like, really good items in this thing, pull a lever, and balloons would pop, and if you pop the balloon, you had a chance of getting these, like, really good items. So just being a non-member didn't mean you couldn't do a lot of things. You still had access to quite a bit, and I played as a non-member, I think, for, like, one, two years, maybe three years. Honestly, I forget how long I... Constantly played runescape i know for a fact at least i want to say two years i played of non-members and there was still plenty of things to do and honestly i think starting out there's no point in being a member i think you should always start out as a non-member and raise up your skills first because first you should see if you even enjoy it see if you because it does get grindy as we've been mentioning throughout. So definitely try it out and see if you actually enjoy it first. But a little, once we get to the members-only portion, I'll tell you why I think you shouldn't become a member right away. But you have access to quite a bit of stuff for non-members and access to quite a bit of skills that can help you go further. Just, I just enjoyed the part that they gave you a good chunk of the game for free and that you didn't have to pay for
1: it. Yeah, non-members kept us busy for years. And I would say your estimate is a little off, but I could be wrong just by remembering it. But I would say we were non-members for like three or four years just because we had so much to do. But then again, I think I could just be remembering it wrong because we had so much fun and spent so many hours in this game that it just could feel like it was such a long time. But man, they were able to keep us content for so long. And it was always funny because we would find member stuff within the non-member section just to kind of like tease us that we're non-members and we can't access it. Which, I mean, it's a marketing strategy It's Very smart on their part, but it always got us intrigued. Like, damn, if only we could do this. The members' quest opened up a whole new world because, like you said, we went from 20 quests from non membership to 119 quests as a member. So that's a huge difference that just becoming a member made. Just like six times more quests. It's insane. And then on top of that, we had 17 skills as non members, and that jumped up to 27 skills. So we had 10 extra skills that we could um, utilize as members, which I don't even think we utilized all of them. We tried to, but there were just a few that were just too difficult or too boring, I guess. But most of them were really cool and unique, so we liked that. And like agility, we trained agility even though it was super boring, but it helped us in the long run because it reduced our total cooldown for our running. So that was one of the things we really enjoyed about becoming a member. But I think the main focus of the non-members world was Lumbridge and Varrock, or Verac, like you said. Because Verac was the general exchange, like you said. It was the focal point of the exchange market. Even before the general exchange was a thing, we would always go there and do our, our B sales, our big sales, or bank sales, or whatever you want to call them. And it was just a big focal point. So adding the general exchange in that area was perfect. And I'm glad they added it to the non member section of the game because that opened up a huge market for us. But they also added it after they ruined trading. Because I think they were kind of experimenting with trading at some time where they made it where you only had a three thousand gold limit. Yeah. And people were but your questing
0: at points were yeah. Would increase
1: your limits. They were really experimenting with that. And after they broke trading, they're like, you know what? Let's do the grand exchange so people don't get ripped off as much.
0: But that was part of the fun. Yeah,
1: I liked ripping people off. It was fun.
0: That, and it was just kind of like, I guess you can still do it for the grand exchange. But you would if someone needed something, like a rune pickaxe or something, even though the market value is only like 5K, let's say, if someone needed it right away, you could be like, 10K. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? And you'd be like, 10K, or, okay. And like, yeah. you're the one that needs it, not me. And so you could get a room pick for 10K when you paid 5K for it,
1: Yeah, it was always interesting. But I really liked it when the general exchange wasn't a thing because you could. Oh, 100%. Like, one thing I did was I sold, like, blue dragon hide bracers or whatever they were called to a guy for like 16k even though they're worth like 2k and I had no idea what the price was I was just throwing out some random ass number and he said okay I was like oh shit I'm rich now but
0: one thing I missed about it is the whole like you mentioned the bank sale or B sale as it's commonly referred to as is something where people would just have it was pretty much like a garage sale in Mm -hmm. real life you just got a whole bunch of items from your bank that you didn't want anymore, and you'd go and sell it. And sometimes there was some people that would really want something and would overpay it because they really wanted it. And sometimes it was just nice because you you would haggle with people. Like people would be like, "I'll give you 2k," and you're like, "Nah, I need at least 6k." And they're like, mm, "3.5," and then you'd be go like, mm, 4.6 and then like you'd end up meeting at like 3.9k or something like that and or like you'd be like oh i have this rune skimitar and they're like okay well i will trade you an adamant mace an adamant longsword and an adamant skimitar for this rune one and you be like okay deal and you would like trade it i just missed that aspect because even with the grand exchange, it's like, yes, you can buy it with money. But I kind of miss the whole, like, oh, give me this and I'll give you this type thing. The whole player versus player interaction with the actual, like, economy, I guess you could say. of Trading goods for goods or even money for money. And there's no limit. So, yeah, you had to be worried of being scammed. But that was also part of the fun.
1: Yeah, one of the downsides was it was really hard to get what you wanted. If you needed something at that time. Because you had to wait for someone who had it. So that was always a downside.
0: Yeah. Came with its risk. But I did enjoy it. Me too. So now. You've been playing for a little bit. You enjoyed the game. You're trying to make the plunge now to members. And wow. Just wow. When I finally became a member. And got access to the gate. to enter the members portion oh my god i was so happy and then i died at white wolf mountain (laughs) that motherfucker so this is the reason why i said don't become a member right away because you actually do have to get past this mountain to get to the members only area and these wolves are like level 50s so I think they purposely made it like that because they wanted you to be a non-member first, level up. And then it's like, once you did everything a non-member can do, now you move on to the members portion. And now you have even more reason to stay, even more hours to put in. So I think it was very clever of them to add this White Wolf Mountain. That was a pain in the ass to get through. But... Oh my god, did it had so many more benefits and it was only at I don't know what it is now, but it was only $5.99 a month at that time. And so I can't tell you that the price is valid to that. So don't do my word off of that. But now you had access to stuff like the badge guild that was in a members only portion, exclusive skills like thieving, farming, mini games, access to more spots in the wildy and just so much more in general. And like you said, the quest went from 20 to 119. And there was just like so much more to do. And now that you thought you knew RuneScape, and then you only had a piece of the pie. And now you have the whole pie, and you just had no idea what to do. But for me, there was one thing that I always looked forward to. And in the cooking tab, there's a thing called Gnome. And you can make these like drinks it was basically like cocktail drinks and every single one of them is members only you couldn't make any of them as a non-member so like one of the first things i did was i looked on how to do this i needed to complete a quest i was like joshua we need to go do this quest come with me and we went and i think it was like trino village i think what was it called we did the quest. I finally got access to it and I was so happy and I started making drinks all the time because my cooking was like the highest level even compared to my combat sets for like I said I have no idea why I enjoyed cooking but it was one of the first things I did because I was like oh I'm a member now I can make these I made them I was extremely happy and I was like yeah this was worth it.
1: Yeah, it definitely opened up a whole new world for us. And like you said, White Wolf Mountain was a real struggle to get through if you were a low level. But I think when we were starting out, we were still at a level that was kind of indifferent for traveling across White Wolf Mountain. But we just sprinted across that bitch and we got through barely. I think
0: we were like high 40s, low 50s. I want to say we were like around 48. Mm-hmm.
1: But, I mean, if your level is high enough, you could always get around it by teleporting. But that was, um... If you had a high enough mage level. But I would like to say that this game probably is nothing compared to games similar to WoW and even WoW itself. Because WoW's map's insanely huge. But when we started Non-Members World, the map just seemed absolutely massive and it still is fairly decent sized given what type of game it is and how traveling is in this game where you basically either have to teleport or walk everywhere so with that aspect it is a really big map still and it just opens up so much more in this game because i mean there are still some parts of this world that to, to this day i don't think i ever traveled
0: to oh yeah 100
1: and there were some like islands and stuff that i explored just to say i did it even though i was too low of a level monkey atoll i believe it was called we went there oh, to do that God, monkey yes. uh, quest which i don't think we ever finished because we were too low of a level but we started it and went there just to say we, we did it
0: didn't we finish? Because that's how you get the different monkey stats to transform, right?
1: You can get that before even completing the quest, because they give you the oh. the totem. And you use it to transform within the quest, but you never actually have to complete it in order to transform.
0: So remember, we literally got like a totem for every type of monkey we can do.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely did, just because we could, and then we never used them again after that quest. <laughs> like, I just always assumed that it would be something fun to do, and then we just never utilized that. Yep. But there are still so, so many uh, parts of RuneScape that we never even touched, and I don't even know how to get to certain as- like certain islands and parts of this map. I just accepted them as somewhere I'd never go to ever. <laughs> and then, on top of that, just the minigames and the world activities expanded immensely, because there weren't a whole lot of single-player minigames. There were a few, or not single-play, non-membered minigames. There were a few that we could do, but not a whole lot, and none of them that really grabbed our attention for too long. But once we became a member, there were so many that we spent a lot of hours playing. And same with the world activities, like house parties, for example. And I don't know if you want to start that one off.
2: Oh, my
0: God. Rest in peace, World 31. So, one quick thing. For those who don't understand what world activities are. So if you've never played an MMO. Or like if you're maybe even familiar with WoW. How there's different servers to go on. RuneScape had different worlds you can go on. And for some reason everyone always liked to try to get to world 1 or world 2. Even though I don't think there was anything really going on. But everyone always wanted to be in world 1 or 2. Again, not sure why. But... Anyways, going off of that, there were certain world activities. It would say like like this one says house parties. And I'll get into a little bit of what that is. But it was something that basically meant like this server is dedicated to do this. So if you wanted to do this, this is where people are going to be. And so now going to house parties... This was, I almost always went to World 31, whether I was doing house parties or not, World 31 basically became my home server. And so house parties, what it did was, when you became a member, there's a skill called construction. And what was cool about this is construction allowed players to build their very own house and runescape. You could design it however you wanted to, and have like different furniture and like servants and everything sounds cool right gets even better so with this once you raise your construction up high enough you can actually make a dungeon slash basement in your house and this could be filled with skeleton guards treasure rooms pvp zones and even some friendly boxing matches if you so desired. There was just so much you could do and even with that, you could also build this like altar there that a lot of people would bring bones in to raise their prayer because if you use them at this altar, you'd get bonus XP. So there's just so much things you could do at a house. So, World 31, you would go to the default house portal, which was in, I believe it's called Remington. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just a pile of people there. And it always just kind of felt like a freaking festival. You would just scroll down. You could tell you were getting close to the portal because your freaking newsfeed of what people were typing would just immediately go up. Like you're watching a Twitch chat from some popular streamer that has like 15,000 views. And it was just awesome because like you could go into practically anyone's house. Because a lot of people who were hosting it obviously would set their house to public instead of private and so you just look and be like you just see people spamming a house party using flash wave scroll if you ever played runescape you know what i mean by those words and it was just insane and i can't tell you how many hours i spent just doing this going to different people's houses seeing what they had trying out the dungeons basements trying their like treasure rooms But mostly just seeing, like, how people design their houses and everything. It was just such a cool, like, spot. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's from the migration of bringing old school RuneScape back. I feel like that is the reason. But, like, people just don't do house parties anymore. And it's really upsetting knowing there used to be, like, hundreds of people crowding this portal now, if you go there, you'll be lucky. There's like five or six people. And oh, just rest in peace, house parties, man. Yeah. <coughs>
1: Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, I remember house parties being a big focal point of our gaming experience because there was so much you could do. Like, you could go to someone's house and practice like your cooking skills because you could use the larder and get uh ingredients for certain recipes and you could make certain like beers and stouts and stuff to increase certain xp skills and give you buffs so there was a lot of little intricate things that you could do to help increase skills you could make teleportation tabs at certain altars like you said there were I really enjoyed the fighting aspect of it, like the dungeons, and you could have like boxing rings and just one v one people. And then if you died, you wouldn't lose anything; you just spawn outside the portal. So it was a very cool thing to do for house parties. One thing I never really understood was drop parties, where people would just put a bunch of expensive stuff in a chest, and after a certain amount of time, the balloons would start falling from the ceiling and people could pop the balloons and get loot i never fully understood this because why would anyone want to get rid of valuable items Um, that was one activity that just didn't make sense then we had other activities such as like pest control which those get into mini games but there are specific worlds to find these like we had castle wars pest control uh barbarian assault and stuff like that which were really fun to check out as well as you could use world activities to go r- rune running which you yes. could rune running was always a very interesting thing so you could go mine essence which were these basically blank templates for runes and runes could help you use magic but if you weren't a high enough level you couldn't turn them into runes so you would have someone else do it for you people would do this for free so they could gain xp and then give you the runes back which was a very strange relationship because they could easily just steal your shit and not give them back to you but it was all about like honesty and the honor system
0: so you'd go I think that's why they made the world
1: yeah So it was really cool because you could go and get some runes that you desperately needed. Like we would always go law rune running because those were important for teleportation. So we'd go law running. People would give us the runes we needed. And then we'd go and we'd get some more towels or more essence and repeat until we had the amount of runes we needed and wanted. So that was always a fun little thing, a little engagement that we um, would do. I don't know why it was so enjoyable because it was kind of boring come to think of it, but it was just something fun that these worlds offered. There was just so many different activities that you could do and each world had a different activity that you could explore and so many that we never even attempted, but it was fun.
0: That's another thing that rests in peace because whatever the old school thing happened, like I remember I tried it once Now, there wasn't as many people as, like, house parties, don't get me wrong. But there was probably at least, like, maybe 100 people that would always be doing, like, raw running. Mm -hmm. And uh, you try to go to old school, and there's just nobody there. You go in the altar, and it's just empty, and you just feel empty inside.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's really sad to see some of these worlds disappearing, and these activities disappearing, because it was such an important part of her, like big part of her childhood that seeing them disappear is almost like this game's coming to an end.
0: And it's kind of sad. If I could bring one back, it would definitely be house parties.
1: Yeah. House parties were really cool.
0: I'm just surprised that died off. Cause I feel like the whole point of getting like 99 construction more than showing a new cape, I would want to show my house. Mm-hmm. But anyways, kind of how you mentioned a little bit, about the mini games now there are a lot of mini games and one of the first ones i want to discuss that we had a pretty good time was castle of wars now castle wars is to bring it down to its bears and boats, capture the flag that's all it is except you're free to use all your armor, all your stuff. And if you die, you don't lose anything. You just respawn back to your base. And you had two teams. Zamorak and Saradomin. Go Saradoman Zamorak. And like I said, you could use range, melee, magic, whatever you were. And even if you were low level, like me, I was around like 48 at the time. Which kind of how we mentioned earlier, yes, is low for especially for like members you could still kill people by collapsing tunnels Mm -hmm. so there's a way you can explore and go in tunnels and automatically be right at their base and there's a spot where you could use an exploding potion to collapse tunnels and it would instantly kill people so it didn't matter what level you were you could instantly kill them using that so i always had fun doing that because I knew because of my level I couldn't really kill anyone so I'd always play basically defense and I'd always just be hanging out on the bottom just making sure like no one got through Mm -hmm. so I think it was pretty cool but one of the most fun aspects of it started in the actual lobby before the game even started so there was like this sort of hidden mechanic in the game that I'm pretty sure it was a holy symbol, it may have been an unholy symbol, I'm not sure which one, but it was a necklace that you had to wear, and when you entered the portal of the lobby of the team, you would polymorph. Most of the time you would end up turning into a sheep, but you could also turn into an imp, and I'm pretty sure there was like a couple other things, but the sheep and the imp are what I remember the most. And I just thought, always thought it was kind of cool because it was like a fun little like Easter egg mm-hmm. that if you wore this unholy or holy symbol and went in this portal, all of a sudden you'd be transformed into some random object, or person. And I just thought it was a, a neat little thing they kind of added to it.
1: Yeah, I remember when we first figured out the mechanic after someone told us, we immediately went out and got the yep. the necklace so we could interact with it as well.
0: I think we had to actually raise up a prayer too. So, so we, we literally went and like bought bones so we could level up our prayer just so we could wear this symbol, just so we could use this symbol to play a mini game that it had absolutely no effect on. Yep.
1: It was so stupid. I don't know why we did it,
0: but it was fun. that's how i feel like a lot of things happen is oh raise up this so i could do this even though this has no correlation with this but it just looks cool yep
1: yeah by the way
0: this was also another thing that got ruined poor castle wars this was also one of the things that kind of how we've been mentioning we were like loot goblins you could a lot of people would drop stuff or like arrows and stuff and we'd always pick up the arrows to either hold on for us to save or sell them
2: mhm
1: yeah one of my favorite mini games was the pest or yeah pest control it was just that was actually really fun it was such a fun one it was one where you basically had to protect the king or maybe it was an artifact in the center of the map while these pests came to attack it and destroy it. it had some sort of energy that it was giving off that these creatures wanted to destroy. So you have a giant group of people that were your teammates and you had to hold them off as long as you could. And each wave would send more and more pests. And the farther you got, the harder it would become till eventually you lose. The longer you go, the more tokens or currency that you received, which could then be bought for rare artifacts after the fact. I don't think I ever collected enough tokens to buy a rare artifact because I was always saving up. But it was always fun to try to collect them all and get there. And it was just an enjoyable mini game that we could just sit around, enjoy, and use teamwork in order to survive as long as we could. And it was always fun to try to get a little bit further than last time, just keep pushing. And as we raised our levels, we were able to go farther and farther until it was kind of boring, I guess.
0: Yeah. That was definitely one. I did not think I was going to have as much fun as I did mm-hmm. because like you said, it's literally you protect something and monsters come and you try to defend and that's all of every single time. Like there's no variations. It's just that, but like, Like you said, it's kind of like Nazi zombies. You just always want to go just that little bit further. Mm -hmm. Just get a little further. And I think the way to beat it, though, I thought you could destroy, like, there was like four portals or like three portals that they constantly spawn from. Couldn't you destroy those portals?
1: Oh, that could be. I'm not 100% sure. It's been a long time since I've played this. Most likely. I, I believe there was portals that you had to destroy.
0: Yeah, so... And if you did that, you got, like, a crap ton of tokens. But... Another really fun mini game that... I think we both enjoyed... Was called Barbarian Assault. Which... Very fun. Very fun one. You got... You have four rules you can choose from. Attacker, Defender, Collector, and Healer. And the cool thing about this... Is that once you're locked in a role, you're literally locked in that role. You can't do anything outside of that role. So you have to rely on a team. And you saw from wave 1 all the way to wave 10. And as you get higher, obviously the difficulty gets higher. So attackers, pretty standard. There's like monsters that come and that will try to attack all the players, not just the attackers. And so... You'd have the attackers that would go and attack. Crazy concept, right? And then you had people who were called Defenders that would set traps up. And there was like these pre-made traps in the arena and they could always get the wood and stuff and build the traps and fix them. So then if you ran the monsters into it, they would get hurt or die from them. Then you had the Collector So every time a monster dies, they drop different colored eggs. And then you could use the egg. The collector can, as the only person that can actually grab the eggs, you would launch them into the egg launcher. And then you can actually use those and shoot at the different monsters. And of course, the different colors had different effects. And then you had the healer. Who, shocker, would heal people. There would be this like healing fountain water. And you'd have a jug that had four doses in it, and you could only use those four doses on different people to heal them up, and then you'd have to refill it. So as a healer, you were constantly running back and forth to this little fountain. And the really teamwork portion was that you had this like horn that you had to blow, and during different time intervals, you had to do it, and so like the healer. The Like if you played the healer, there were also healer monsters, but the healer had this, would have these other items like tofu and I forget what the other ones, I just know one's named tofu. And if you use that on the enemy healer, you would actually poison them. But you had to know which out of the three different foods, you had to know which one. So the collector had to blow its horn to say, hey, healer, use tofu. And then the healer had to blow to him to be like, "Hey, collect the red eggs because if it, if he went and grabbed the green eggs, he would, it would explode and he would take damage." And then attack and defenders had the same thing. The defenders had to call out and be like, "Hey, you have to use range, or you have to use like strength, uh, like slash or jab or stab or fire magic." Or whatever it was. So whether you were using range, mage, or melee, you were covered. And then I forget what the what the def- oh defender could lay traps with bait. So the attacker would be like, "Hey, use this bait," and that's what the barbarian had to do. So you were very reliant on your teammates.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was a really good strategy mini game where everyone had to do their parts perfectly in order to succeed. I really enjoyed this i was a defender that was my main goal so setting traps and baiting them were my specialty
0: I, I ended up being a healer for that
1: yeah i was always i always really enjoyed the defender portion of it i don't know why it just was more appealing to me than any other i others. wanted
0: to be a collector but as i got to like weigh three or four like nobody wanted collectors or collectors were so there were so many collectors it was oversaturated mm-hmm. that i was like all right screw this i gotta find another position i'm like everyone is always looking for a healer i was like i'll try that and what do you know i i did it i know i beat wave 10 at least once
1: yeah i think i think we both beat it maybe once or twice i can't remember fully but the last wave was pretty difficult
0: oh yeah I just know, I gonna understand I did it once because I remember, because everyone was literally by the healing fountain. And I literally had to like constantly heal everyone. The reason why we were at the healing fountain was because like, after I used my four doses, I had to refill and then quickly use it. So they had to all wait there because they were taking so much damage from the queen. They couldn't do anything. They were just firing range back at her. So it was literally just a five minute standoff of me constantly clicking the fountain, healing fountain, healing fountain, healing.
1: <laughs> but one that I liked was the Fist of Guthix, which was a great for magic level ups and and the such. Like you could, it was mainly for mage users because they would give you all the runes you needed, and you would basically be assigned an enemy that you would have to kill and then vice versa after the next wave he would be hunting you you have to collect as many points as you could by basically surviving the longest and in doing so you would then be granted currency at the end and you just basically would have a magic war and that's the the premise of it. it's just a 1v1 magic war and you survive the longest it was really fun, and it was perfect for training your magic because you had to spend zero currency, zero gold, to do so.
0: Yeah, some people use range and melee still, but most of the time people use ma- uh, magic. Mm-hmm. And the concept behind that was, like, if you got to the center, you got more points, but you also had less defense, where if you were at the outer edge, you gained less points, but you had, like, your original defense or something like that yeah and i just want to mention one more because this was actually probably in my top favorites as well was the season's garden oh i don't remember that one that was okay you do remember it this one you could honestly raise your thieving up so high that i went from literally level 20 to level 61 and the span of I want to say like six hours of playing which is actually incredible because of the exponential like curve and so all it was was they had different seasons it was like I want to say what was summer the first one or spring I think it went summer spring autumn winter from easiest to difficult
1: I actually think it's opposite. I think it went winter, spring, autumn, summer.
0: Oh, so someone, oh yeah, someone was the last one. It was level 60. And, or level 65 or something like that. Because I was always in autumn for like the longest time because you had to be level 45, I think, thieving to do it. And what would happen is there's like these ghosts and you had to run through this thing and like get to these little indents out of the path. But if a ghost spotted you, it would teleport you back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so once you finally got to the end, you could either pick a fruit or you pick an herb. And if you pick the fruit, you would turn the fruit into juice. And then the juice you give to this guy outside. And he, for every like glass of juice you give to him, he gives you a certain amount of and XP. Depending on what fruit you got, whether it was the winter, the spring, the autumn, or the summer obviously going the more difficult ones you get the more XP and I always went for the fruit to raise my XP but if you could get the herbs, raise your farming and herbivore for cleaning it if you could. So it was a great way for thieving, farming and herbivore. But it was just honestly it was very frustrating at times, but I think it was really fun too. Especially when you have a friend there with it and you can watch watch them or if they mess up, you can see them mess up or just doing it back and forth for so long that if you had a friend you could chat and stuff with but yeah, it was, it was definitely a, I think one of my favorite ones
1: it was always a fun little competition to see who can make it to the end the quickest so there's a lot of mess yep. ups between us because we or were- there was
0: I loved it when like one of us would make it but the other was a second late but because of like you were ahead or something you would get transported and so the person who actually got yeah. caught that was I, I remember that happened a few times.
1: Ah, The struggle with that game.
0: Uh, it was a struggle, but it was definitely a fun one.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: So, we've been going on a little long for this one, but we couldn't help it. It was a very <laughs> fun game. It's, a, it's an MMO, so there's a lot to expand on. Plus, it's its 20-year anniversary, so I think it does it justice to go a little longer than normal but with my question of the day it it's kind of it's kind of three questions one what is your favorite skill what is your favorite like event whether it's random holiday or like world activity what like event is your favorite and then what's your favorite mini game
1: and and maybe even another one what was your highest level like for your skill
0: and if you have multiple 99s change that to what was your first ninety nine?
1: yeah so we have a few questions for you guys
0: to answer mine mine are my favorite event is definitely house parties
1: yeah i don't know what my favorite activity was Mine would probably be house parties as well, just due to the interaction that they gave us.
0: And for mini games, honestly, it's probably a close tie between barbarian assault and seasoned gardens. Mm.
1: Oh gosh, mine mine's a tie between pest control and barbarian assault. They were both really fun ones to play.
0: My favorite skill is probably cooking. That's probably why I have it up. Just because it honestly has a lot of recipes you can do and a lot of things that you can make. And some of them are pretty cool. Some of them like the fucking chocolate cake make absolutely (laughs) no fucking sense. That pissed me off. I had to wait 10 fucking levels to literally go click chocolate bar, click cake, boom, chocolate cake. Like you don't even have to go to a stove or anything and like melt the chocolate no you just literally just click on it
1: isn't that not how you make
0: a chocolate cake apparently
1: um my best skill and probably favorite skill is the most boring which was mining and i got that to level 72 unfortunately
0: (laughs) i got my cooking i believe it was 61 gosh that's insane
1: I couldn't see. I say yeah. that's insane because I didn't like cooking, but at the same time, mining's the most boring, and I did that.
0: The only reason that I have a thieving of 61 is because I love the season gardens.
1: Yeah, those uh, are fun ones. Mini
0: game. And that's the only reason why it's like <laughs> right mm. up there with my highest.
1: All right. I think that's going to sum it up for this episode. So I'm going to sign you guys off with some facts. An update in January of 2012 caused the death mechanic of the overworld to spill into minigames. And as a result, many players lost millions of gold pieces worth of items in these so-called safe minigames. And as such, they were unable to re-enter the minigames to receive, retrieve their items from their gravestones, which absolutely sucks if you were one of them. As Jagex did not agree to a rollback, this is probably one of the most damaging glitches in the minigames of all RuneScape history. I was never affected by this. I didn't even realize this was a glitch at any point in time, so I'm pretty glad about that.
0: Yeah, I don't think I was affected by it either. But
1: God, that would suck if we lost all our shit in a minigame. Oh, yeah. And another little fact, according to Jagex, the halfway point in a skill is at level 92. That means from level 1 to 92 is the exact same amount of XP needed to level up from 93 to 99. That is absolutely mind-blowing to me, seeing that my highest level is 72, and that took so long to do.
0: I can't just imagine. think when you got to level ninety two. When you're like, "Oh, I'm almost seven levels." Nope. No, you're at the halfway point. God, that would suck.
1: But that's the last uh, fun fact I have for you guys. So feel free to email us any questions, comments, or concerns you may have, as well as follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.
0: And that will be all from us. I have been your host, Bobby.
1: And I'm Joshua.
0: And we will see you guys next time when we weep spawn